0: And to tell inspirational cattails. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another all new episode of Curl Up with a Cattail with Gwen Cooper. I am, of course, Gwen Cooper, your host and delighted as always to be here with you today. Later on in today's episode, we're going to be speaking with Dean Nicholson, the human half of Nala and Dean, that world-famous duo who've been traveling the world on Dean's bicycle and just so excited that they have made time in their busy schedule to be here with us. And it occurs to me, and, and I think this is correct, so this is still a fairly young podcast, I think Dean might be the first male guest, the first male interview subject that we have had on Curl Up with a Cattail. So that's kind of exciting. We're going to hear from a genuine, bona fide, red-blooded cat dude today. And actually, our next interview is also going to be with a man, one of my favorite cat writers. And I'm will i going to leave you in a little bit of suspense, but we're on kind of a streak here, I guess, where we're going to have two men. Uh, back-to-back, back, and that's kind of exciting. We'll, we'll get to hear the male perspective. Always, always good to get some different points of view and, and stir things up a little bit. And don't forget, if you have any questions or comments for me or for someone who we're interviewing on a future episode of this show, or if you'd like more information about some of the New York Times bestselling books that I have written about cats – head on over to my website, gwencooper.com. That's G-W-E-N-C-O-O-P-E-R.com. And you will find a page dedicated to this podcast where you can leave comments and questions that I will respond to personally. You will also find my contact form. So if you wanna send me an email, you can do so there. And and I don't know how many of you who are listening to this actually know this, but if you go to my website, you can get a free copy of a new book about Homer the Blind Wondercat, and that is legit. That is 100% true. So head on over to GwenCooper.com and claim your free book today. And, you know, I was thinking as I was interviewing Dean a couple of days ago for this podcast, how amazing it is that Dean gets to both travel the world and also be with his cat all the time. And so he does not have to experience those pangs of, of guilt or anxiety or of just missing your cat that those of us who have cats, but who also like to travel, have to find a way to cope with. And, you know, I was thinking, I mean, my husband and I love to travel and we probably don't travel quite as much as we would want to, you know, partly because of work and and family commitments and all that sort of thing, but also definitely because we just don't want to leave our cats here alone for extended stretches of time or or too frequently. And our cats, probably I'm guessing like most of your cats, are a little travel adverse. So uh, certainly putting them in a, in a basket <laughs> in the front of a bicycle and then biking them around Europe would would not be... A good alternative for them. Although, in fairness, I'm I'm a little bit past the point in my own life where biking around Europe or or anywhere really sounds like a great plan. I'm I'm definitely now more of a, you know, I'm at an age where being driven in a hired car is a much more appealing way of getting from point A to point B than than huffing my way there on a bicycle or walking. Uh, not, I mean, we we do walk. We're New Yorkers. We love to walk locally i i wouldn't see myself walking across the united states anyway i've gotten off on this weird tangent about my own personal fitness and habits somehow but the point being that you know covid restrictions are starting to lift certainly here in the united states and in parts of europe as well and i know that that europe will be welcoming or at least the european union will be well that will be welcoming americans who can provide proof of vaccination and you know, it's now at a point where I've spent so much time with my cats over the course of the past year of quarantine, I'm I'm not sure that I could leave them to go traipsing off on a foreign adventure somewhere, even only for a few days. And, and we're talking, Lawrence and I, about trying to kind of ease back into that, you know, with maybe just like a little overnight Trip, you know, two days and one night, someplace like on the Jersey Shore, maybe, or or upstate New York, someplace, uh, maybe Dutchess County, just to kind of try to ease ourselves back into separating from the cats a little bit. And and I realize, by the way, that that most people who will be listening to this show have actual jobs, you know, outside, real jobs outside of their homes that require them to leave their cats for as much as as up to 10 hours a day every day. And some people who've been working from home are going to be heading back to offices in the next few weeks. Uh, Lawrence and I have been lucky enough that for the past decade, which is longer than we have had, uh, our two current cats, Clayton and Fanny, we have both been able to work from home. And uh, so, so we've always been kind of a codependent little foursome, right? Lawrence and and Clayton and Fanny and me. We we spend a lot of time together. We're a husband and wife who both work from home, and our cats have never known any other way of life except the two of us being here. And they are definitely very social, people oriented cats to begin with. Especially Clayton, who just never seems to need to be alone for even as much as five minutes, which is sort of unusual for a cat. You know, so we we've always been at home a lot to begin with, and then of course over the course of the last year, we haven't even been doing some of the things that we did used to do more or less every day. We we haven't been doing too much shopping outside of the house, or going out to dinner with friends, or going to the theater, or going to out to the movies. Uh, Like everybody else, most of our social life has been revolving around Zoom or around each other. You know, around the, the the people and animals in our own homes. And so I think it's going to be really, really jarring for the cats when next we we take to the road and head out of this house for more than an hour or so at a time. And um, I'm a little worried about how the cats are going to handle that because of course we we do want to take some more trips sometime and i'm looking forward to getting back out to shelters and doing readings and appearing at fundraisers and signing books for people i love love meeting readers and other cat lovers in person some of the greatest experiences that i've had in the 11 years since Homer's Odyssey was first published have been just meeting so many amazing amazing people and and rescue cat rescue workers throughout the country in truly in cities large and small. I've been to I've done readings in towns so small that City Hall was a trailer and and that is the truth. And then of course I've also done readings in New York and Chicago and LA. So it it's just great and and I love doing it. Of course the the cats do not love it so much when I leave. but we will see. We will see how it all works out. I will tell you one thing, though. I am looking forward to the end of pollen season, which seems to be stretching unusually long this year. And, man, I just sound nasal all the time. Uh, It's never great, you know, when I play back my podcast so I can edit it. And no one ever loves the way that they sound hearing their voice recorded. Everybody is apt to say, oh, my God, do I really sound like that? Uh, But I'm really going through that right now. Uh, I, I just hear how nasal I sound and it's terrible. And I apologize to those of you listening. And, and I can assure you that it is seasonal and that my dulcet tones will return soon enough. So Lawrence and I uh, were, or rather I, I, I will admit this, this, this was solely my idea. We're trying to think of something. I was trying to think of something nice to do for the cats. Now that Lawrence and I are spending more time outside of the house and, and just like a little treat, or a little something that I could get for them, you know, something unusual. And it, it was tough to come up with something at first because we have plenty of cat trees and cat furniture and cat scratchers and all that kind of cat paradise stuff. We have a lovely sunroom that, that is dedicated pretty much exclusively to the cats. They have tons of toys. Uh, they, my cats are very spoiled. I know this is going to shock some of you who are listening, uh, but my cats are actually a little bit on the spoiled side. So I decided to get them a cat fountain because it's always a good idea, number one, to engage your cats and, and get them to drink a little bit more water. Most cats could do with a little bit more hydration. And if your cats have dry food in their diet or if their diet is all dry food, then they almost certainly need more hydration than what they're getting, even just by drinking water out of the bowl. Um, cats tend not to drink as much or or as thirstily as dogs for example because they get most of their moisture in the wild from from the animals that they hunt and so in domestic in a domestic setting they're they're just they don't have that instinct to drink as just sit down and drink as much water also cats tend to prefer running water to still water and this is where the cat fountain comes in and we used to have a cat fountain more than a decade ago, um, for my cat Vashti, especially when she developed chronic renal failure. And she just used to love to have constant access to running water. She was always making Lawrence and me turn on the, the, the bathroom, like, like the shower faucet for her. And she would go stand in the shower and drink the water as it fell on her. But by the time she passed, the, the fountain was not, was no longer in great shape and the other two cats weren't so interested in it. And Lawrence didn't like it. He, he just did not like the constant sound of, of running water in the living room. Um, I kind of liked it to tell you the truth that I'm from Miami, granted, which is more of a, a, you know, Miami Beach, which is more of a water adjacent town than Jersey City where I currently live. So I, I got used to hearing the sound of the surf and, and, and water in the background. And, and so I like having a little bit of, of the sound of running water. I find it very peaceful. Uh, some people do. Lawrence did not. But you know Fanny gets so excited every time I turn on the kitchen faucet and she jumps up onto the counter and and she puts her little nose not actually in the stream but very very close to it and so I figured all right you know Fanny if if nobody else would be excited about the idea of a cat fountain and and Clayton probably would be too because he likes drowning his toys in the water bowl he's one of those cats uh, you can tell how much he loves a toy by how much abuse he subjects it to, and his two favorite things to do with his favorite toys are to drown them in the water bowl and to bury them in his litter box. And he has the, <laughs> this one toy that that a reader has sent him years ago. It's it's called Rosie the Rat, and it's like a little fake rat made out of real fur which would not have been my first choice in a toy, but the cats, they love it so much. It's literally their favorite toy. And so I don't have the heart to take it away from them. And of course, Clayton's is is practically just a scrap at this point, because he subjected it to so much abuse. But when we first got it, I can assure you, it was a very disconcerting thing to be cleaning out the litter box and, and to come across something furry in there. And I didn't realize what it was at first. And I, I thought uh perhaps one of the cats was having a very interesting poop problem. But anyway, I'm I'm wildly digressing at this point. So I decided to get them a cat fountain and and I got a nice one. I, I spent some money, I spent eighty bucks, which in the world of cat fountains is on the higher end of the price range, and you can get cat fountains for as little as, as twenty dollars. But this one is 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 made out of ceramic. And it has two little um, spigots instead of one. So there are two streams. So I was like, okay, well, you know, then this way both cats can drink out of it at the same time. And I don't know about you guys, and this was not the case with my first three cats, but the, the, my two cats now who are littermates, so maybe this is a genetic thing, are weirdly skittish. It's not just that they're skittish. All cats are, are can be a little bit skittish. Um, they're, they're skittish about weird and random things. And I find it particularly galling in light of the fact that literally nothing bad has ever happened to these cats, at least not since they were two weeks of age. They were found in somebody's backyard and when they were two weeks old. The person who found them happened to be an experienced cat fosterer who fostered them through a foster network that she volunteers with until they came to live with me. So from the age of two weeks... They have lived this completely coddled, sheltered life where they have just been wrapped up in a cocoon of love. Nothing bad has ever happened to them. But they are terrified, for example, of garbage bags. Um, Clayton is really scared of of that image of the falling man in the Mad Men opening credits. Whenever we watch a Mad Men rerun, we actually have to skip past the opening credits because it just scares the bejesus out of Clayton. Um, Fanny is afraid of of price tags, which is interesting. And I don't mean just the sticky ones. I mean, like if there's a price tag on a shirt and I clip it off and I just leave it lying on the bed um, and Fanny sees it, she will jump and then hide under the bed for at least an hour. And it's just price tags. It's not other random things that are maybe left on the bed that, that she doesn't expect to be there and encounters by surprise. So, so garbage bags, price tags, uh, the falling man in the, in the Mad Men opening credits. The, these are some of the random things that freak my randomly and weirdly skittish cats out. And apparently cat fountains can now be added to that list because all, for all that Fanny, when I turn on the kitchen sink – loves to stick her little nose as close as possible to that much stronger stream of water than the little trickle that is, is deliberately little and slow enough for a cat to be able to drink that runs out at the cat fountain. I mean, the, the water in the sink, it's it's more water. It runs faster and louder. When it's hot, when I'm washing dishes, there there's steam coming out of it, and that doesn't bother her at all. Um, but they are both when I when I turn on the fountain, they ran and hid under the couch, both of them um, for several hours. And I figured, well, you know, they just need to get used to it. You know, they they, they will adjust eventually. Um, and three or four weeks went by and they adjusted insofar as it didn't seem to scare them anymore. Like it didn't scare them to, you know, hide under the couch or, or out of the living room. But they also just would not go near it they They just kind of kept like edging around it in in their rounds through our you know living din you know living room slash dining room and Lawrence of course complained about the the noise of the running water in the background that that every time he was sitting there just reading a book and and the room was quiet it, it made him have to go to the bathroom. And, you know, I was so proud of myself for having put this together all by myself. Not that it's difficult to assemble, but I'm notoriously bad at assembling even the simplest things. Um, I, I was the the little kid who couldn't even do, like, the the puzzles that had four pieces. I've just never been good at putting things together or, or with spatial, you know, spatial relations. And and so it wasn't that it was hard to put it together, but I put it together and I was very proud of myself. And, and it's really pretty. You know, like I said, it's made of it this... Heavy white ceramic, and so i I tried to keep it going for a few weeks. I finally realized that no one was enjoying this thing except for me, uh, so I unplugged it and I unplugged it, but i didn 't immediately dismantle or get rid of it, uh, partly again because it 's a little bit heavy to to carry so I carried it into the kitchen and and emptied it into the sink will be a li- you know is a little bit of a hassle, but if i 'm being honest because i I had invested some time and some effort in putting this together, and i didn't want to dismantle it so quickly. And I kid you not, now that it's turned off, the cats are obsessed with it. Um, and by that, I don't just mean that they are willing to, to drink out of it. I mean that they they drink out of it. They sniff it all over. They they put their little paws in and, and splash the water at each other or, or lick the water from their paws. Um, Clayton has taken, again, to drowning his toys in it. And I thought, okay, well, so now they're exploring it when it's turned off. Now that they see that it's just water that's running out of there, let me try turning it back on. And, you know, maybe I figured like maybe they maybe they missed it. Maybe they liked it with the water running and and didn't realize that <laughs> until it had been unplugged. So I plugged it back in. And of course, they immediately went back to completely ignoring it. So I, I guess the good news for me is that they, they they seem to like it better than their regular water bowl. Uh, but only when it exists as just a different kind of bowl and not when it exists as a fountain, not when it's being used as a fountain. So I, I don't really know what to make of this, except that, you know, when the water's not running and it's not going through the filter, it, it because the it, it's just sort of shallower than a regular water bowl, so the water just gets kind of dirty a little bit faster than it does in a regular water bowl. And the thing is, it's it's heavy. So for me to keep having to carry it back and forth to the kitchen sink to empty and refill it every day is is a little bit of an inconvenience. And, um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I sometimes think that my cats are trying to gaslight me. I, I'm not sure to what end, but I, I think that they are trying to make me feel that I am insane in some, in some way, or they're actually trying to make me Insane, I, or they're trying to prove perhaps that they can get me to perform completely inconvenient, useless, ridiculous tasks just for the sake of of amusing and entertaining them. That they they can impose their will on me. Basically, may, maybe this is some sort of preemptive punishment where I, I haven't quite returned to the swing of pre pandemic everyday life yet. But they they they're sensing the change coming in the wind, and maybe they're thinking. Either that, that they're going to punish me for the betrayal or maybe that if I start questioning the, – the, the more I question my own sanity, the likelier I am to just stay home. You know, may, maybe a, a crazy mom is a stay-at-home mom, at least in their minds. I'm not sure. But I will certainly keep you informed as to what the ultimate fate of the fountain is as events unfold. And while we're waiting to see how that plays out, I will encourage you to get comfortable, uh, settle in, stick around, because we're going to be back in just a few moments with Dean Nicholson. So please stay tuned for more Curl Up with a Cattail. Thanks so much for sticking around. My guest today is a New York Times bestselling author and the human half of an internet star duo that also includes his cat, Nala. The two of them have traveled the world together via bicycle and documented their adventures on Instagram, YouTube, and most recently in their bestselling memoir, Nala's World. Please join me in welcoming Dean Nicholson. Dean, thanks so much for being here with us today.
1: Hello there. It's an absolute pleasure.
0: And and where in the wide world are you right now?
1: Um, at the minute, I am in Austria in a small town called Gmunden. And um, just basically locked lockdown, we've just had to slow it down a little bit more, and just I just wait out until we can travel again.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I certainly have this among the questions I'd love to ask you. But uh for, for those who are not familiar with Dean, and I don't imagine that is very many of you listening. Um, so Dean and Nala are are a, a a human cat duo. They travel the world uh via bicycle, and we're gonna talk about that a little bit more. You've been doing this for a couple of years, but I would imagine the last year has been kind of difficult with all the COVID restrictions. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. So we set out in 2018 and then um... Obviously, it was—it's just beautiful cycling along, and then COVID happened, and we've just been basically on lockdown for. It's not been a full lockdown all the time, but it's just so hard to make travel plans and move on to the next country when you've got restrictions and that all in. So we're just kind of staying, staying put until it all opens up again.
0: Uh, now I'm guessing my listeners have already sussed this out from your accent, but you are—you are Scottish, and I am, is, from is, Yes, is Scotland where you rode out uh, most of the vaccine? I'm sorry, most of the COVID shutdown, or or were you someplace else?
1: And uh, no, I just decided to stay in Austria. So I've been in Austria for a year now. I think it's just over a year. And no, nah, I just didn't want to really go home. And makes I was in a beautiful area here, so I just stayed here.
0: So I know that a big part of your social the the social media phenomenon that that is you and Nala is you documenting the the travels and the adventures that you have together over this this past year while you've been grounded, so to speak. What have you been doing? What have you been sharing with your followers?
1: Um, Yeah, this last year has been quite hard, just because, again, just the restrictions. So we've just been going wee day trips. Um, We've been trying to get out, doing some camping, but the weather's not been on our side as well. So Um, it's just been finding stuff indoors to do, like building a la fortress. Christmas time was quite fun with Nala as well, getting a Christmas tree set up for her. So just stuff like that.
0: Cats and Christmas trees are, uh, depending on your point of view, either two things that go together super well
1: or super horribly,
0: depending on how strongly um, you feel about Christmas trees.
1: That, Nala was totally fine with it. She um, she didn't try and climb it at all.
0: Really? She went in,
1: she, she went in it a couple of times, but that was it. Um, there was just one bobble down the bottom. I think she broke about three bobbles altogether. But I was expecting there to be like a big disaster with a Christmas tree, but nah, she was fine with it.
0: Well, maybe Nala could come over to, uh, somewhere in your travels, maybe Nala could stop by and, and give some sort of lessons to my cats on how to behave themselves around Christmas trees. Oh, your,
1: your cats wreck the trees.
0: <laughs> my, my, we don't even try it anymore because it, it just always is, uh, is a disaster. Um, but <laughs> I want to go back to the beginning a little bit um, and, and talk about you and Nala. Give us a little background. How did the two of you first cross paths?
1: Um, So I was cycling through Bosnia at the time, and I was just about to go into a new country, um, Montenegro. Um, So I woke up nice and early. Um, I think I set out on the bike about half past seven. The sun was just coming up. And to get into the country, I was cycling up this big steep hill. So I was going pretty slow. And then I just had this little cat um, meowing from behind me, just trying to get my attention. Uh, Luckily, I seen her at the side of my eye, so I pulled the bike over. And I went over onto the side of the road, and uh, yeah, she just came straight over to me. And straight away, it was just a bond made. And that's how I found her.
0: And and uh, when did you know that she was going to be a permanent part of your life? Was it immediate, or did the two of you have to kind of grow on each other?
1: Um, it was kind of immediate. Um, so I got her on the bike, and my plan was to just head down to the vet to see if she had a microchip in her. Um, to see if she belonged to anybody, but this part of the world, there's there's stray animals everywhere, cats, dogs, but they're all uh, mostly older um, dogs and cats. So I got her on the bike, on the front of the bike, and then she started trying to climb out my basket. And I thought, well, if she wants away, you can't force a cat to stay on a bike, let alone stay with me. And she climbed up onto she climbed up my arm, onto my shoulder, and then just fell asleep. And it was just that minute that's when my heart melted and I thought, well, if you're happy sitting there while I cycle, um, I don't see why I can't do this. So, yeah, got her to the vet, checked she didn't belong to anybody, and then, yeah, decided to take her with me.
0: You know, a a running theme on this show is that our cats tend to choose us at least as much as we choose them. And I'm guessing that that you feel that Nala
1: chose you as much as you chose her. Um, Yeah, definitely. She definitely chose me. Um, I also think, well, she was just wanting um, someone to love her. So I do feel if someone did someone else did stop and give her attention, she would have her, but I was just the lucky person to be passing that day.
0: You know, so you were obviously out your plan was to was to bicycle around the world, or or I guess as much of it as you realistically could. Um as anyone who's traveled internationally or or even domestically knows that there are a lot of complications in, in traveling with a cat. And so I'm wondering if your your travel plans ended up changing at all because of Nala, and, and if you could talk about that a little bit, what it was like getting her across various borders in, in various countries.
1: Um, well, basically, you go to the vet and you get a passport for her, and that's got all her vaccinations in it. So as long as that's all kept up to date, I think it's rabies, that's the, that's the main one. As long as that's all good, then the border people don't really pay attention to her. Um, what else do you need? now that's it. Once you've got the passport all good, you're good to cross.
0: Uh, you know, I did see in your book, though, you, you, there were a couple of close calls where there was some concern that you might either might not be able to get Nala into a country or that it might be difficult to get her out. And I was wondering if you could tell us about any of those close calls.
1: When, well, when I first got her as well, actually, um, yeah, you've got to get the rabies vaccination and I had to keep traveling at the same time. I think I was in Montenegro and I said, well, I've got to be in Albania next. I can't wait too long and I think you've got to wait three months. So I just decided to crack on and try and cross the border with Nala in my bag. So that was that.
0: There's so many adventures that you recount in your book, and I'd love it if you could tell us which one jumps out the most in your mind. What what, what was the greatest adventure in your travels that you and Nala have had together so far?
1: Um, oh, there's so many. Um, I loved it the first time we went out on a kayak. Um, I didn't expect, I thought cats were petrified of water.
0: Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's a fairly safe assumption, actually.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, she was just so young and she was just following me about everywhere. So I got her on the kayak and she basically sat at the front and she was trying to play with the water at the front of the boat and then she just came and just fell asleep. So, yeah, that was a good one. as And then another one was when I got to meet some refugees in Greece and, I mean, that was just a really nice eye-opener because they've came from, like, a war-torn country and they were just so friendly to me and Nala and they just loved playing with Nala and they gave me food, water, and they had next to nothing. And they just were so nice to me.
0: You know, one of the real tragedies of people who are fleeing war zones and, and um, you know, regions where there are conflict is that they're often <laughs> forced to leave their pets behind. Sometimes you have to flee without your cat or, or your family dog. And I'm wondering if you met anybody like that, if anybody who was responding to NALA as as almost a substitute for, for a pet that they may have been forced to leave behind.
1: Uh, no, I never. And I never actually really thought about like that. But yeah, I suppose there'll be lots of people leaving because they've got to got to leave last minute, haven't they? So they'll be leaving their pets and just a lot of their belongings behind and having to go as quick as they can. You know,
0: I uh, and, and I've written about this myself. Um, so I lived in New York uh, during, uh, you know, in 2001, I was three blocks away from Ground Zero. I was living three blocks away from Ground Zero on September 11th. And when I left for work that morning, I did not know that I would not be able to get back to my cats for nearly a week. And, and it was awful. Just this feeling of being a displaced person and, and my pets had been left behind and I'd been forced to run for my life without them. And, and it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a frightening feeling. Have you ever had any close calls with, with Nala where she got lost while you were on the road or, or misplaced, or you weren't sure where she
1: was? Um, there was one time in Greece and Santorini and the boy, me and Nala were living in a cave, and then my friend Tony, it was the cave of the kayaking base, so everybody came down there in the morning, and the boy came down, opened the door, and then Nala went out, and then 10 minutes later, we started looking for her, and she wasn't coming at all. Like, normally, she comes with a whistle, if a shout on her, she runs straight back down, but she was gone, and we're like, oh, where is she? Thought we lost her, and I was I to go yeah, I it was, uh, I was horrible, horrible feeling. I thought, um, I was saying, I'm going to have to miss the kayaking tour I'm doing today. And yeah, we went up top on the grass, and she was just playing with another wee kitten, having a bit of fun. So found it eventually.
0: You know, one idea that you come back to a few times in your book is the sense of, of a growing sense of of adult responsibilities, of being responsible for someone else through your relationship with Nala and, and caring for her. And I'd love it if you could talk about that a little bit. just the sense that all of a sudden you, you are changing plans and you are doing things differently and, and there's a different calculus in the decisions that you make because you're not just deciding for yourself, but for someone else.
1: Yeah, but I, I got chucked into the deep end of being a parent, basically, <laughs> because all of a sudden um I've got this wee kitten on the front of my bike who needs fed, watered attention, but you've also got to think about stuff like the weather as well. Um So I had to start adapting my bike just to look after her. Um, She's got an umbrella to keep the sun off her, to keep the um, sun's radiation away, and a a waterproof cover, just stuff like that, jumpers for if it's too cold. So I actually had to get rid of most of my stuff, and the bike's basically kitted out for her now.
0: You know, I, I have to say, and, and I'm sure a lot of the, the women listening will agree with me that uh as an American, I'm I'm, I'm certainly appreciating your your Scottish burr and, and hearing you talk about the wee kitten is just <laughs> is, is, is making my my heart melt a little bit. Um so I think a lot of people listening are, are probably thinking that their own cats would never, under any circumstances, be as adventurous as it seems like Nala is. Just riding on in the basket in the front of your bicycle or on t- at the front of the top of your kayak and, and traveling to all these different places, cats are, are notorious for hating change. And it seems like Nala really thrives on it. And do you feel that the two of you are just innately kindred spirits or that this is just a way of life she became used to as a kitten and never knew anything else or, or, you know, do you think that you were exactly the right person for this adventurous cat, or do you think that she became adventurous because of you?
1: Um, I think she became adventurous. I also give her a lot of time as well. So, um, if we are doing something new, I don't just chuck her straight into it. We just like take our time to do new stuff as well, if that makes sense. Um, no, it definitely and it's does. also just very much reading our body language. as well. So, yeah. So reading our body language as well. And if she's happy, then I continue doing stuff. And if she doesn't like stuff, then I just take a step back and let her do stuff at her own pace. So, yeah, I think I've played a big part in making her the confident cat that she is.
0: Um, so, you know, I, I know that you started posting about the adventures that you and Nala have together on YouTube and Instagram. And I'm assuming it was always your plan to document your trip on YouTube and Instagram and, and so at what point did you realize that, that Nala was becoming the main attraction or was she always? Did you start posting so that you could post Nala?
1: Uh, no, so it was me and my friend who started this journey and we basically got Instagram just to document it. Um, and we just kept like, and I post every day just so you can look back over the, when you finished the tour, you would have something to remember each day by. But um, it really kicked off with Nala and um, Basically, as soon as I found her, um, people were loving the story, they were loving the cat, obviously sitting on your shoulder, cycling along. And then when we went viral as well, and that's when it really kicked off and it just went crazy, 120,000 in six hours or something. And I, I had no idea what to do about all that Like to start off with.
0: my My husband likes to say that the internet was invented for porn and cats. not necessarily the two of those things together but that those are are internally the two most popular things you're you're in the better business of the two by the way
1: i definitely i don't know how it would go around the world just doing porn so i'm (laughs) quite happy
0: (laughs) it would be a very different kind of instagram account that's for sure
1: (laughs) it would i would i might get into that one day who knows
0: you know, my my listeners aren't going to be able to see this because I'm not recording video, but but I can actually see you right now. It looks like you're blushing a little bit. So we will. Uh, I will spare you nah, no. and change the
1: subject. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so what do you think it it is about your Instagram feed? I mean, do you think it's just seeing a picture of a cat in exotic locations or do you think there is something more that has captured the imagination of so many of the people who follow you online?
1: Uh, no, I think people just love seeing the storyline and how mine and Nala's. Um, I don't know how to describe it. Just how we continue to grow with each other, and I mean, people love seeing the world and how how nice it is out there. So I think it's all to do with that as well.
0: You come back frequently in your book to this idea that wherever you go now, you encounter friends, or it's like encountering friends because you find so many people who have been following you and Nala online. And in fact, there've even been a couple of instances where you've been a little bit stranded and and people have known where you were and been able to help you out and come to your aid because they've been following you online. And I was hoping you could talk about that a little bit.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, people actually turn up. You can be cycling along a road and then people can just pull up in front of you and stop and invite you to their house for dinner. Um, Another time it happened was we were camping in the woods and I always try and keep my place where I'm staying uh, pretty quiet just so I don't get disturbed in the middle of the night and then first thing in this morning the lady was just standing over us with a cup of coffee but from the, po- the picture we put up on social media I felt like nobody would know where it was and um, it was just in the middle of this forest and she just knew where it was by these trees and she came and found us and took us back to her house and yeah we just had she looked after me for a few days so it was quite good
0: did you ever have any not-so-pleasant encounters with people who've been following you guys online, or has it all been pretty much positive?
1: Um, I had one after the book was released. Um, I woke up one morning, Nala woke me up, actually, and the sun was just coming up, and then there was a boy outside at my bike, and... Um, he was a homeless man, you could tell just by looking at him, and he was just basically trying to rob stuff off my bike. Ooh. But when I put my head outside the tent, he had a knife. He obviously got a biggest fright, is what I did, and he had a knife pointed at me. So, yeah, that's really one of the only horrible situations we've been in.
0: Have you been in any other uh, dangerous situations where you were afraid that something might happen to to Nala, if not to yourself?
1: Um... Oh, oh, oh. um This part of the world, you get a lot of stray dogs, and they're in big groups of about 15, 12 to 15, and they hate cyclists, and although they can't see Nala in the bike, um, they chase me, and you know, if anything was to happen to me, then I don't really know what would happen to Nala, but um, yeah, dogs are quite worrying as well.
0: Uh, probably nothing good would happen to Nala if she fell into the clutches of a of a pack of feral dogs. Uh, why, no. why is it that the that the dogs hate bicyclists so much? Is it just the invasion of territory or is there something specific about bicycles?
1: I don't know. I think they've just uh, kind of grew up and just enjoyed the, enjoyed the chase. Fair and enough. There's been so many times I've been cycling up a hill and just packs of dogs start running after you and there's nothing you can really do. Um, sometimes I've been lucky and there's been cars that have pulled over and helped us out, get out of these situations. But yeah, dogs aren't very good.
0: Well, you know, That actually, of course, raises the issue of animals who were domestic animals who are left to fend for themselves, which is never a good situation. And I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about some of the rescue organizations that you and Nala support.
1: Uh, yeah, so we do... Uh, the, in fact, the first time it happened was we were on Santorini, and we decided to try and use our newfound following to see if we could raise some money for our charities. So we done um we went to a pottery place and made five bowls and we auctioned them off and we got um twelve thousand pounds for them. Um so that's when it really opened my eyes that we could use uh, our social media um use your powers for, for good. good. Yeah, basically use our powers for good. So we just um we then went on and done a calendar the year after and that raised around about a hundred thousand for charity as well. And we just basically choose um charities around the world who are needing help, whether it's be for vet bills or for buying food or for paying rent, we just look out for ones that aren't really big, if that makes sense.
0: Sure. Uh, Grassroots, Um, you you like to look for smaller organizations.
1: Yeah, smaller organizations who aren't funded by the government and stuff like that. So we try and help way people out.
0: And do you learn about these organizations through your own research or do your followers bring them to your attention or is it some combination of those two things?
1: Um, Just a combination of both. I mean, I didn't realize how many organizations out there there was, but there's there's thousands. So when you try and look for them, and you've always got to try and find... um, the right one because you don't know some people could be trying to use charities to make money out there so it's always quite sure. okay to try and find the right ones but yeah we ask our followers as well to get in touch and help people out
0: you probably have if if you're dealing with those and and I love supporting by the way they're small i call them the mom and pop shops of rescue organisations the real grassroots volunteer run kind of on uh, you know you know like like shoestring and spit basically is is what's holding them together And I would imagine that you probably have a lot of followers who volunteer with these organizations and and are happy to tell you about the work that they do with them.
1: Yeah. And that's also where I want my channel to go in the future as well. Um, Since I've got the following, I would like to be able to uh, travel around and use YouTube and raise money for them. So I'll just go from charity to charity, visiting people and just raising awareness, helping them out for maybe a week or two, and then moving on to the next one.
0: That that sounds like it would be like, like a great TV series, like, like an animal rescue version of of The Lone Ranger or something like that. Yeah,
1: I just sang like that, basically. And just I, I think that would be a brilliant thing to do.
0: Like, like every time you leave you can, somewhere else, where, wherever a cat cries out for justice, that's where I will go.
1: <laughs> and I said, and Nala would love it as well, as long as Nala's safe and happy. So as long as she's good, I'll keep traveling with her.
0: Have you ever thought of adding a companion for Nala to to your family? Have you ever thought of adopting another cat?
1: No, oh, nah. It would be impossible. I mean, I can't cycle with two cats on, on my shoulder. And <laughs> um Nala's quite fussy as well. She doesn't actually like cats that much. She, really? She's okay with them. Yeah, she's okay with them. But um when we got two kittens in Santorini, um the lady at the rescue asked if we could look after them for a wee while until she got rid of some more. Uh, so then she could fit them into the shelter. So we had them for a week and Nala just did not like them at all. Um, she probably doesn't she, like she sharing did,
0: your attention, I would think. She used to, uh, use she did, much of she to like her.
1: them after the end of the week. But at the start, she was just, she wouldn't even come near me. She was hissing at me because of the smell. So uh, no, well, in, no other cat for me.
0: In fairness, I would say that that's a pretty typical reaction of, of any cat who will eventually you know, get to, to learn, to enjoy, or at least to, to tolerate the other cat. It's pretty typical for cats initially to have that resistance, but I do understand that logistically it would be very difficult for you to do what you do um, with, with
1: another cat Too much paperwork as well involved with two cats, but um, she likes dogs though. So who knows we'll hopefully get a dog to follow us one day. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that that would certainly be uh in addition to the adventures and and probably pretty photogenic as well um i'm wondering what you see as as the next horizon for you and nala for your social media perhaps for are, are you considering another book
1: um i'm trying to push ahead with children's books at the minute um i feel like that'd be a great way just to teach uh, future generations how um about important stuff in the world like adopting animals instead of buying them stuff like planting trees and just about plastic pollution so I would like to do like a children's book next
0: and the importance like of travel also I you know I, I really am I'm one of those people who believes that the more you travel and the more you encounter other cultures and people who are different from you the harder it is to just resist people because they're different than you
1: yeah yeah I just I am um, different cultures exactly so going around the world and realizing that we're all we're not all the same and stuff like that that's perfect to point out as well have you ever- especially in a young age like a, a children's book if you get them young enough um it sticks way better i feel
0: well just like you you were able to uh encourage nala to be adventurous along with you because she was very young when you, when yep, you exactly her. That. Exact Um, Did you ever end up any place where people were, you know, sort of culturally resistant to cats or or didn't like cats? Or do you find that the cats have a universal appeal?
1: Um, So far, it's all been a universal appeal. Cycling through Azerbaijan, and I mean, that's a country in the Middle East. um, People just loved loved seeing Nala on the front of the bike Um, and would always get stopped and invited in for cups of tea. And yeah, people just loved her.
0: Uh, That is actually very heartwarming to hear. And uh, the last question that I'm going to ask you is if people want to follow your adventures with Nala for themselves, where can they find you online?
1: Um, Just basically go online, type in one bike, one world, the number ones, and that's it. You'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.
0: So that's one bike, one world, and it's the number one, not the word one.
1: Yeah, number one. That's it. If you can hear me okay with my Scottish accent, because nobody yeah. understands that <laughs> so. um, I So,
0: I think we probably got that, but I will certainly put the information on my own social media accounts as well. Um, I'm going to wrap it up now. Dean, you've given us so much of your time. Thanks so much for being with us today. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you very much for that. Cheers, guys.
0: Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button if you like what we do. And head over to GwenCooper.com right now to get your free copy of a new book about Homer today. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cattail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline-loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me and don't forget to hug your cat today.